More Questions Than Answers with Julie Panessi, brought to you by the Democracy Fund. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, Julie here. I'm so thrilled today to be, I mean, one of the, the big perk of my job is that I get to talk to the most fascinating, interesting, I think most genuinely kind and deeply committed to humanity and helping people of, of anybody on the planet. I'm, I'm so grateful. And today I get to talk with Jamie Saleh, who I'm sure most Canadians will be familiar with. She's an Olympic gold medalist in pair skating from 2002, if you can believe it already, Salt Lake City Olympics, a motivational life coach, an advocate for people with special needs, a wife and mother of two, self-described freedom lover. I always feel like I should start with mother when I give these job, you know, job descriptions, it's like the biggest job. But Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. This is really quite an honor. You know, I was thinking leading up to chatting with you that I was trying to think back. I remember distinctly watching your program in Salt Lake City and I was trying and then I remember the controversy afterwards. I remember uh, you and your partner standing up, you know, with the Russian team up on the, the top of the platform. I remember all of this so well. I, I think I was even eating a certain kind of popcorn. I remember it so distinctly, um, you know, and I was, I think, in the first year, maybe the second year of my PhD program, we were on these totally different life paths 20 years ago. And the horrors of the last two years, as much harm as they've done, but look at this amazing thing that we get, we, we get, we never would have, would we? You're from Edmonton. I'm from Ontario. I mean, we never would have had the chance to mm -hmm. chat. And thank goodness, because um, there's so much, there's so much division and disunity now. And yet, that's also creating this fertile ground for people to come together um, and talk. So, <clears throat> yes. so for joining joining me today. I want to start by asking you, you know, it seems like we're, we're kind of two years into all of this, whatever you take all of this to be, um, a virus, political corruption, uh, an awareness of a kind of closed journalism in our country and other parts of the world. And we now have this, you know, transgenderism and racial ideology for our children to deal with. We New viruses, new poxes all the time, you know, global politics, all these things to worry about. You said, I think it was about a year ago that you were asleep, a year plus ago that you were asleep. And then you woke up to all of this. Can you tell us, like, what did that feel like from the inside? What was that process like? Because I don't think there are many people in this position. People have maintained, for the most part, the views they had a couple years ago. So what is it that made the difference for you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I'm a big fan of yours because I, I, when I was waking up, you were one of the first um, people that I was following because you were speaking out so well. And I was so incredibly proud of your courage and your bravery and just your integrity. And you are one of the reasons that are people that gave me the strength and courage to start speaking out eventually. Um, because I kept seeing the persistence and that you weren't backing down. And um, yeah, I was just, so I just wanted to say that because um, you're just incredible. You are an incredible human being and a blessing to all of us Canadians right now. So my way- I don't hear that happened, all the time, you know, there are- <laughs> yeah, Especially being a mom, right? You're like, oh. But um, so I think what happened was it was the, the first winter of 
of COVID where I was feeling like this is getting ridiculous. Like we can't hug our family. We, uh, my husband at the time's granddaughter was here. We, it was like, we couldn't hold her. Like it was just, there was so many weird, you know, sick distancing and all this stuff really started to weird me out um, because these are our loved ones. And then it was January where of um, last year, not this January, but last where I, my girlfriend from um, Ontario sent me a graph showed me a graph, uh, I think we were FaceTiming or something, and she showed me a graph of Sweden. And I'm like, well, that's not the graph I'm looking at. <laughs> the opposite, because for me, Sweden was doing poorly on the Google Maps or on my Google uh, search. And whatever she had found, they weren't doing poorly. So that was the beginning of me being becoming aware of that there was two narratives. So by doing poorly, you mean... Like they had a lot of cases and people weren't mm -hmm. doing very well. And that was the Google one that I'd seen that their, their graph was really bad. Like their incline was going way up yeah. whatever. and she's like, actually they're doing really great. And I said, well, what are you looking at? Because my graph is terrible as far as cases. Um, so that was the beginning of me seeing that there was a completely different uh, narrative or a presentation on a different platform. And it made me curious. I've always been a curious person, but I, I think at that point, I also don't watch the news. So at that point I was like, what's going on? And then she just tweaked something in me and it was game over. Now I will be honest. I spent the next few months just diving into so many things, including listening to you talk and uh, Dr. McCullough, Dr. You name them down in the States and Canada, everybody. And I, I was just fascinated um, really, really, I would say obsessed even because there was so much to take in that I was realizing uh, how much it wasn't just about this time, this COVID time, it was about so many other things and um, the, the new world order. And, you know, I didn't even know who the WEF was. I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. And so you're just learning, learning, learning. And it was like, I was so hungry for this information, but then I started to feel physically ill. Like I wasn't getting sick like a flu, but I felt like I had a pit in my stomach all the time and I just felt really tired. I just, I felt like something was like wrong with me. And, uh, and I actually got told that a few times by um, my son's dad, who was my partner, David. And he said to me, Jamie, this is making you sick. And I'm thinking, well, if you were seeing this stuff, it would make you sick too. <laughs> well, because the fact that you don't even want to see this, I was sending people stuff. I was sending information that I was getting and sharing it with friends and family and everything. And some people were kind of like, Oh, interesting. But then after a while you could see a hard stop. They didn't want to hear it anymore. That's I don't, I don't have time to listen to this. I don't, but I'm going guys, like there's a, we need to be um, before you actually take this vaccine, these shots, let's, let's inform ourselves. Like that's, but I was, I'm a very passionate person and I was probably too aggressive, like, you know, encouraging, encouraging. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think, I mean, you know, we've heard so much about cancel culture cancellation. And I often wonder to myself, whether we're like, this is historically unprecedented or have humans always done this, but the way you describe it, you know, people would kind of let the door open a crack and let a little in, but then at some point say, no, I, I don't want it. I can't take it, whatever it is. Charitably, what do you think they're thinking when they give you that response? Well, I listened to a great talk the other day. I actually posted on Instagram. I posted on my platforms. It was a 
a lovely girl. I have no idea who she is, but she did a, a, a talk. It was about three minutes long and she explains in, from her perspective because uh, it was about waking your family and friends up and how 70% are just really comfortable following what they're being told to do. Whatever is, it is. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so there's always that 30% that see uh, people, the uh, 70 will see as the rebels or the, mm. you know, the bad guys, whatever they see us as. Um, mm. That And it seemed like that's kind of what was happening around me was that everyone was just, it was time for them to, to get their shots. And they just were like convinced that that was the right thing to do based on you know, their family members or their people that they worked with or whatever it was. And now by me telling them that there's something to this was really uncomfortable because it was messing up with their, messing with their belief system. Mm-hmm. And because it's like, no, 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 don't tell me that it's something different because I'm, I believe this. And they've believed it up until that point. It was a year, just over a year, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to feel duped or lied to. It's the biggest form of betrayal. So it's just safer to stick with that, right? Because everyone around them was doing it. That's really interesting because when you say, you know, they they want to believe this, it's not just that they want to believe that things like the precautionary measures they've taken were for some purpose, but they also want to believe that the trust they've had in institutions, not just governmental institutions, but also major businesses that claim to protect our health, like pharmaceutical companies, that 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 trust was warranted, as you say, that you weren't duped. And also, I wonder, you tell me what you think about this, but if I can't trust them, oh boy, now I have to do a lot of work to figure out the world. Exactly it. And I remember Dave saying to me, well, Jamie, if you can't trust the media, who can you trust? And that's when I said to him, I go, like, Dave, we've been we experienced one of the biggest controversies in sport in 2002. I mean, it wasn't maybe, but we went through this whole controversy. So you're going to tell me, and you used to be the one to say to me, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Like he used to say these things to me and I'm going, Mm -hmm. but you're going to just blindly trust that everything you're seeing on TV. Now, the other issue that I've noticed is that the two dads in my life. So I'm actually recently divorced for the second time. And it's not because of this COVID stuff, but um, it definitely um, pushed me over the edge. It was sort of like the door opened to say, okay, you know, it's, it's time to move on. But uh, they both uh, work in the hockey industry. And so, and one of them works actually for the Edmonton Oilers. The other one works in, in television for Sportsnet. So for them to, to listen to me or to want to listen to what I have to share with them, would really put their their positions, their jobs at risk. Dave was the one dad who was like, we gotta get this Jamie to work. Like, I I can't go into the arena. He didn't really wanna get it, I don't think, but it was like, we gotta do this to live. He goes, life's too short. Well, it's probably going to be, yes. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was scared to say that to him, but I go, I don't wanna put fear in you, but I go, it is short. And then, uh, my recent husband um, just really didn't want to hear it. He, he said, so you think they're coming after us? I said, yes. You think they're coming after our kids? Yes. And then you think they're coming after our homes? And I said, yes. If they don't hide it, it's on their website. And he goes, that's all I need to know. 
And from that moment on, I was down a dark path, a dangerous path, and everyone was colluding behind my back, my family, they were all talking. And, they, and, and I know that it was genuinely that they cared and they loved me. I, I understand that. I understand that. But it was so hurtful because no one would come to me. It was like they were so uncomfortable with me and the information that I had to share with them, even though I, I don't know the truth. I just know what I'm hearing is the opposite of what you're watching. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to do so much more digging to like, we don't even still really know what the truth is about this so-called virus. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't even know. I mean, I, I just listened to a talk with Lee, Dr. Lee Merritt, Merritt and a virologist that her dad worked for Pfizer. And um, I mean, you, that is a very interesting discussion. You would be fascinated by this. It blew my mind about what these, what's in these shots. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to share this with everybody and nobody wanted to come and talk with me. It was just like, mm -hmm. la, 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 you know? Well, it's interesting you say that, I mean, you, you, it sounds like you've held a pretty um, confident position, but I mean, even people who say, uh, well, I don't know, I, have, I wonder, I have questions, I'm concerned, even that kind of uncertainty is villainized, right? No, you can't be uncertain. If you're uncertain, you're going to submarine the whole society, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I spent the whole fall, like summer and because I woke up in January of last year and then I spent the, you know, the whole summer and fall just, I was continually, I thought by then it would be better, but I was continually um, ridiculed, shamed and gas, the, that gaslighting. I just, it wouldn't end. And I'm thinking to myself, so what I wanted to do because I was so triggered all the time um, and I was in neuroscience, so I understand how the brain works. I actually like literally one day just said, you, you need to go and work on yourself. There's, there's a, and it could have just been that I was getting a download to, I don't know, but I just really felt the urge and the need and desire to go and get some help. And I worked with so many different healers from shamans to uh, a medium to um, a hypnotherapist to an osteopath, cranial sacral. Um, and I've got wonderful friends. I've had to kind of find a new tribe because my best friend group said that I was a risk to be around. And I was uh, now around a white supremacist community. So they couldn't, they didn't support that. So I lost my best friend circle. My family was all kind of, you know, kerfuffled and upset that I was down this dark path. And um, so I had to find my new tribe and I did that through my healing. It was fascinating and so beautiful and painful because you know that when you're healing, you're peeling off layers, you know, my trauma from my childhood. Uh, and I thought I'd already done this work. You know, I was a coach and I was helping people um, achieve their personal goals and dreams. And I, but I realized with all this triggering, I, I wasn't done. And I, I don't know if we're really ever done, but um, I enjoyed the work. I had, like I said, a lot of painful moments and times, weeks and months even, but there were so many beautiful gifts that came from that. And that was self-love. Like Julie, I don't know if I've ever, we, we say we, we love ourselves, but it's almost like we're shy to talk about that. Mm -hmm. and I actually enjoy being alone. I never used to enjoy being by myself. Mm. And so, and just really that self-love comes self-care and you put yourself first, even though I have children, um, you know, if I'm not putting myself first, I'm no good for them. And we've always said that, but we've never really necessarily um, 
like been that way, right? We just were kind of all talk us moms. It's all about taking care of everybody else. And this was time for me. And it was difficult for my daughter. Um, and then when my son went to school, he got coerced. He was on my side initially, uh, sending me things, um, things from people that were vax injured already. And he's like, mom, this is crazy. And then he went to school and he was the only one not jabbed and in his golf program and the hardest part for him. And I completely understand this, you know, he's the only one not allowed in the clubhouse because you couldn't go indoors if you weren't jabbed. So he called his dad who's had to buy into this and said, I want to get this. This is humiliating. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I feel left out. So he went and took my son and jabbed him. And um, I know that sounds really bad, but I can't call these vaccines. So I, I was just devastated. And then I, it was like another gut punch. So I cried and cried and I begged them not to do it, but then they just, so now I'm crazy. I'm a lunatic because I'm fighting for this. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. Really There's so wild. much. I mean, I feel like we're in counseling here, Jamie. There's so I know, much right? to unpack. Well, I think so many of us, not just on the, if you want to call it counter narrative side of things, have very similar socially traumatic, you know, stories in all dimensions of our lives, but, but people on the other side too. And, and, you know, I, I feel, imagine as awful as it is for us being in our sort of lone group, small minority group, think about people who were, you know, very pro-narrative initially and bought into it and were double or triple jabbed and now are starting to, like this, this, the dissonance that something like that would create. And, 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 you know, I think about some physicians I know who I think have a kind of moral blindness and that's sort of a technical term we use in ethics to describe people who otherwise wouldn't act this way, but just have kind of almost like they're kind of intoxicated or something, you know, and, and doctors who are really like, they really genuinely do care for people, but they've been pushing all of this for two years and the harm they've done is exponentially egregious. I mean, to, to think about that, you know, so as I said, so much to unpack here, but yeah. You're talking about gaslighting, you know, and you get it from your, your colleagues and your former partner and your, your family and your friends, and yet you don't give into it. We were talking a little bit before, before I clicked record about what is, what makes the difference between people like you and I, and, um, you know, whether we're right or wrong about all of this, we, we have this reluctance to give in to pressure what, what what do you think creates that give any sense of that well, you know what i it's a very good question i probably uh could definitely take some more time to think about it but if i'm just like speaking reactively here for me um as soon as i saw all the information on our side it, it literally was like aha it wasn't even, I questioned it very long. Like I didn't sit there and go, but, and fight it. I didn't. It mm -hmm. made sense to me. It explained this whole past year. Then when you start diving into why all this is happening, that it makes even more sense. Mm -hmm. So immediately, and then I could see people, like I said, in the beginning, you standing up, other doctors were standing up that were world renowned people. And very don't seem crazy. Like you've listened yeah. to Dr. McCullough or, you know, to Tess Laurie or someone like that. And you think, yeah, <laughs> not Dr. really. Dr. been a very world renowned doctor 
for a long time. And mm -hmm. I mean, just a couple examples, right? And now she's an anti-vaxxer, crazy conspiracy theorist doctor. Like, okay, because mm -hmm. she's trying to educate people. I mean, nobody's saying, you know, nobody's going out there and going, you know, screaming and yelling, don't, don't, don't. They're just putting out the information for people to be informed. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I knew, and then also following other truthers that just like me, like there was, um, you interviewed Theo Fleury, didn't you? No, I didn't, but oh, I, yeah. I'm curious about him. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I've partnered with him recently with, uh, Canadians for truth. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be, uh, creating a, we are creating, um, a platform for people to speak their truth, whether they're injured or they're paramedics or they're. Uh, ethics professors, unemployed ethics professor. Yeah, like anybody that is speaking out, because mm. um, you know, and and ever you guys have all been doing it for the last year and a half as well. But Theo and I just felt like we're two of the only athletes that we know of that are speaking out right now, um, and so we wanted to um, do our part, and we just felt that this was gonna. And we partnered with Joseph Borgo out of Saskatchewan, who was in politics actually, and you know, found out right away how corrupt it was. So the three of us together are creating this platform for truthers, which is going to be so much fun. And we will definitely have you on there, Julie. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, I just, I started finding all these other people that were awake and I'm like, you're awake, you're awake, you're awake. Yay. You know? <laughs> I was so excited. And then, and then it was just, like I said, it was, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I think you, you felt that way too. And you experienced it hands on. You were like right in there. And, um, you know, I've had some friends, I told people that I was doing an interview with you and they said, like an ethics professor, like of all people, <laughs> hello, you know, like she's speaking out and people aren't getting that. But I said, the problem is we're all being silenced. Mm -hmm. We're all, I mean, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, but we get banned, we get uh, shadow ban too, right? Like where my stuff is barely getting seen. I don't think him, um, we get told we're crazy. I mean, it just, it's so hard to get it out there. Mm -hmm. And the other people who are not aware of all this aren't seeing it. So you so think it's, um, they're not seeing it or they hear a little bit about, oh, you know, anti-vax or if that's that kind of thing that I'm not interested, but hypothetically, if they saw the information that we are looking at you think they would be more likely to be compelled by it two things when i was sharing let's say let's even just say again dr northrop or, or dr mccullough's information some of their talks and they were on rumble or bitchute okay mm -hmm. beginning if you shared that with anybody this was my experience they oh it's just rumble or it's just mm -hmm. and then they would google like what rumble is and it's a white supremacist white right wing supreme white whatever why do you think those terms get lumped together? Why did why did the freedom, uh, you know, the trucker convoy get labeled white supremacist movement? What is the connection? Do you think, or what is the the um, logistical advantage to uniting the dividing us? Dividing if, us. if you if the government can make us the people who are trying to unite and speak about freedom and they wanted to you know get the truth out there the biggest weapon that the government has is their voice in speaking uh calling us names we were terrorists we were white supremacists like there 
I don't know, I wasn't there, but I've seen so many videos and you've got multicultural people hanging together, hugging and celebrating together. Yes. This was not well, and I was there and, and, and that was, that's an accurate portrayal. I mean, I can't tell you how many strangers I hugged. I guess I won't tell Health Canada about that. <laughs> but yes, you know, flags on hockey sticks and, and fires and singing and children and all of that, you know. Yeah. And bigots, terrorists, <laughs> names that I've been called. I, I had to like look it up what it even meant. I don't even know what these terms mean right. and because they'd never been. I've never really heard them until like I've heard of white supremacists and stuff, but I'm like racist. I'm racist now because well, I'm and never mind the fact that the African American population has a much lower vaccine uptake or COVID shot uptake than so. If you want to call it a racist issue, then at the you know at the very least it's the opposite way, right? Okay, so there was two. There was the two examples. There was the ones that would you would share information and they would Google where it's coming from, the site that it came from, or there's people that just aren't seeing it, period. Like, I've got a lot of acquaintances. They've never heard, heard any of this. No, mm -hmm. like, they've, they, hear, they hear nothing. I don't even know if they know that the CDC's now said that if whether you're jabbed or unjabbed, that it's no different. I don't even know if they know that truth. Did you hear, I, this, I, I saw this 10 minutes before we hopped on. Did you hear the news about Fauci? And the polio shot? He's resigning. Oh. I was going to ask you, well, I'm, so I'm curious about this, right? Because was it last week or the week before that we saw the change in the CDC recommendation that we should be treating people with natural immunity the same as back? So there was that. Um, and now Fauci is resigning. What does that say to you? Do you think that we are, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, putting on your, you know, your, your, your prognosticating hat looking in the looking in the glass you know bowl to figure out what's going to happen in the future but do you think this is a sign that the narrative is cracking do you think it's a sign that he that the cdc is backpedaling that fauci wants to uh you know get out before he has to face the consequences should we take this as a good sign or is that being too yes. optimistic do you think no, it's not optimistic at all. We've seen the narrative crumbling even last year when, and it's been slow, a little slow for me, but I also know this is in God's time. But when they started saying that the shots had a 99 point whatever um, efficacy, then it was 96, then it was 88, and then it was 70. And then it just kept going down. And, and then down. you needed the boosters to make them work and at all. And, and that was when I started to laugh because I thought, are they like, I don't like the, I don't like any names for the people that aren't awake to this, but I, I just was like, are they seeing this? Like they told you that it was going to, you weren't going to get sick. And they told you that you wouldn't transmit whatever this is. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, everyone's getting sick after getting sh the shot. They're getting COVID. They're getting sick, whatever. And oh, you can still transmit it. And then it was like, oh, well now you got to get a booster to like, it just kept changing. And then well, that we're digging their heels and we're like they're going well it's science and science keep, science changes you know and I'm like or they're lying to you <laughs> like, it became just, clear at some point didn't it that it wasn't really people were believing the narrative but not because the evidence suggested that you should but because the narrative bearers were to be believed at all costs and, and that's I what's really shown that. sorry go ahead I was just saying, like, I just found they dug their heels in so hard too. like, instead mm -hmm. of going, like sitting back and going, okay, wait a second. Let's this pause. Time. Let's evaluate. Let's discuss. No. And some did. We've seen mm -hmm. some 
that where like my mom, for example, is kind of doing that. She's like, I'm not getting a third. We're just done with this. And they had, you know, even though that they've had a lot of pressure from other family members, but it's mm -hmm. like, no. And she's starting to see people around her getting sick and actually um, someone that they know has just passed away. And so my mom's like, oh gosh. And so there's those people that were kind of humbly waking up, even though they didn't really want to, they don't really want to hear very much still. Like when I share things, it's still like, mm, I just want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And I say, I say, well, what do you think I want to do? Mm -hmm. I want to live my life too, but you know what? I'm fighting for you as well and your kids and your family. That's, you know, it's not, it's not. What are you seeing in the sports world these days? You know, I mean, athletes, I remember, well, I mean, I don't really watch it anymore. I think as soon as the Olympics became every two years, I got a little overloaded, but I do remember watching and, you know, what they would do the stories profiling athletes and what they eat on a daily basis and how obsessive they are about, you have to be, to have such a fine tuned machine. Um, now, every athlete on the planet, other than couple of baseball players and one tennis player I can think of have taken the mm -hmm. shots. Mm -hmm. um, and Dr. McCullough has talked about in the States anyway, it, with them among healthcare professionals that he says, there's a real sense of unease because people are starting to, starting to worry. Yeah. Is there something similar going on in the sports world? Do you think, or is it still just everything's fine? No problem. You know, I'm not actually sure. That's a good question. Um, I'm so removed from sports. So I'm not really uh, in the know of how everyone's feeling. I, we're not seeing anybody starting to speak up, really. Mm -hmm. I'm saying people are kind of continuing to speak, but there's not a lot of athletes, I think, for a couple reasons. One is if you're still actively um, in sport, you've got sponsors, you've got an organization that is telling you you can't speak out. I, I mean, I know one of the hockey players here um in the media when he because they had to get it to play like you can't walk in an arena last year unless you had it right but the media said that finally when they let him play again he had myocarditis and they blamed it on covid mm -hmm. no he got jabbed and he that was his side effect but they lie and this is where, and I know that they're being silenced. They can't talk. They can't. I also think a lot of athletes um, in the professional world um, got fake passes. I know doctors that have. This lady on Twitter even told me her, her brother or someone in her family is a doctor. And he said, like, all of his friends that are in the medical industry got fake passes on Twitter. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, athletes definitely that got one, got a fake pass. But, you know, we are seeing athletes, especially the soccer players, or they call it football in Europe, that are and just falling over. And again, you know, the people that aren't, aren't seeing anything definitely aren't seeing that either. I think haven't like, haven't there been over 800 different cases in athletes around the world? Something like that. It's really high. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily deaths, but like 800 bat, uh, side effects, heart attacks, blood clots seizures like really bad experiences the weird thing about all of this that that i mean makes i think sort of imposes a kind of gaslighting on yourself often and we have this in ontario we have 16 17 doctors who have passed away in the last over the last year more so recently um and all you know all in odd ways uh, younger than expected suddenly a couple of cases of rapid cancer growth, but usually cardiac or unexplained sort of events. 
you couple that with, you know, the sports story and I can't imagine, um, you know, and then also within the nursing population. So the most popular tweet I've done over the last several months was when I asked nurses, what's going on in hospitals? <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't believe how many, you know, so many nurses and and other people responded saying, oh, it's, you know, and, and it's very interesting. What's also very interesting is the fact that most people don't care. And you've said multiple times throughout our chat that the people that, that you talk to and kind of try to wake up say, I just want to live like, I just want things to be simple. Just don't bother me. I, I can't help but wonder, you know, if part of it is we're just so bombarded with modern life. And even if we don't worry about um the, the a kind of global reset we still feel the crunch at the gas <laughs> pump and at the grocery store and when we go to remortgage our house and when we go to buy a car so even if we're not conscious about a kind of worry about what's to come we still feel that my money's not going as far as it was and yeah well i think too on the, on that note right there is like my family are you know hard-working citizens but I would say that they're all pretty white collar you know they've done very well they've had great success that way financially in their lives and so they're not really being totally affected by this right, right. I mean they know it's crazy expensive but they're not sitting there going I gotta sell my house or I can't keep my car or I can't I can't afford to buy the organic anymore or whatever like mm -hmm. they're really their life hasn't changed they haven't experienced any discomfort mm -hmm. and I think that's a big thing right now that I'm noticing too and one of my relatives actually when I was sharing all this with him about um what's really going on and what is behind all of this he just kind of said to me like listen I don't want to focus on all the bad stuff and I said listen I get it I've never been that person I'm, I'm one of gratitude I help people always change their thinking to the you know, the more positive, you know, you're going through absolute, you know, your version of a hell in your life, maybe. Um, but I always tell people, the first thing you do when you get up is you write three things you're grateful for, and you go to bed saying the same thing. Like, that's how I've always lived. But I said to my relative, I said, but this is the problem right now. I said, everyone just wants to bury their heads and not look mm -hmm. at really what's going on. Yeah, said, ignorance isn't optimism, is it? It's frustrating for me, really. And I'm being honest here like I'm frustrated because I go we you know it doesn't even matter at this point if you're jabbed or not but like can you not see at least that our government the overreach here and but again I think they just go back to well they're doing the best that they can and you know everything was so unknown and and you can't have a discussion with them so I said what is your line in the sand but well, we just dropped to number 15 on the uh, global world, you know, happiness report. Happiness. Um, yeah. So we're not, you know, by, well, I think, I think most of that is self-reporting. You know, they ask people, how optimistic do you feel? How worried are you about things like government overreach? Um, mm -hmm. How uh, generosity, I think they measure things like this, you know, uh, but I know that you focus on, you know, you focus on unity, you focus on happiness and optimism. And what do we, I mean, what do we do? And I don't know what I mean by we there. I was going to ask you, well, what do we do as Canadians? It's not just COVID. It's not just that fi 
the economy is bad. It's not just that we're losing our freedoms. I mean, by no measure are our lives going well. We have more incidents of cancer and diabetes than ever. Now we have all kinds of other things like sudden adult death syndrome. We have a children's mental health crisis. We have, um, I mean, I don't think that all these people you're mentioning who say they just want to focus on life, live life, be happy, all of that, it, that doesn't seem to be translating into actual levels of happiness. Exactly. That very well said. It doesn't. But they're pretending, right? I mean, a lot, at least the people that I know that are still wanting to be in their, you know, mass psychosis, I guess, if you will, they just, they just want to live their life. And like, I got my shot of, we're moving on. We're not going to let this bother us anymore. Okay. We don't have to wear masks. They're just kind of like following, but they just want to continue to live. They don't want to actually look at what is going on. Um, I don't know what the answer is, Julie. Like I, <clears throat> everyone asks me, what can I do? And I, I always say it starts with a conversation and you don't even have to present. We can't wake them up anymore. If they're not seeing this, they don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. But when you're having a conversation with somebody and I'm really not good at this complete confession because I'm so, I'm a Taurus. I'm very stubborn. I'm strong-willed. I'm like, I just, I don't have that calm. I listen to you and I'm like, I need some of her calmness. Um, I do. I do. And, and I'll send it in a bottle. <laughs> like you're so, yeah. So I, I'm more of like fiery and Hey, and so, oh, yes, but you won an Olympic gold medal. So, you know, I would have been sort of sitting back on the couch saying, oh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. I think, but, I think uh, you need the fire to get up at 4am or do whatever you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I think it's just that conversation and asking, your, asking whoever you're talking to questions, just mm -hmm. ask questions, start with that, mm -hmm. you know, and if they want to see something, okay. But the other thing I said to people, like, you know, that if you're speaking out on social media, you're going to get vilified. You're gonna, but I said, from my experience, it doesn't last very long because the haters eventually give up. It's kind of like what we learned, mm -hmm. when we were, right? If you mm -hmm. ignore them, they'll stop. <laughs> yeah, you ignore them and you keep doing what you're doing and they lose interest. They get bored. People, one of the most common questions I would get when I used to do interviews closer to when I got fired and all of that was, you know, what is it like to be so hated? And then I, I didn't really know what to say initially, but because I kept getting asked the question, I started thinking about it more. And I, I what I came to realize is that, well, it's actually kind of freeing because now when I go to say things publicly, whether it's in an interview or in a video, or I'm starting to write articles now and, or on social media or whatever, I don't have that crippling fear of how will it be perceived by society? Yeah. Because I've kind of punctured that wall, gone through the other side and you realize, oh, well, I, I don't have any fewer, I might have some different friends, <laughs> I don't have any fewer friends than I had. I'm, I'm being authentic. I'm speaking the truth as I see it. Um, you know, people, I talk to people a lot about being paralyzed by fear. And I just try to tell them, for me anyway, it was not as awful. I mean, it was kind of, in my case, it was a real punctuated ripping off the bandaid. It was awful for about a week. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Every oh, major newspaper in Canada said the worst things. Yeah. But Been they there. realized that, that you're just a victim of a bigger machine and it's not personal right? They would do that to anyone who was saying anyone. what I was saying, yes. anyone. And um, 
they don't, yeah. they don't care who you are. They don't care what else you believe because it's just instrumentally valuable to them to yes. shoot down and try to eat anyone who, you know, yes. threatens the narrative. And yes. then when they don't succeed, you just keep speaking and speaking and speaking. They haven't succeeded. And you can really go on and live your life as, as you were. I mean, I think a couple of exceptions to this, we see people like um, Tamara Leach and mm -hmm. Pastor Art Pawlowski, who um, the government just wants to go after them and is imprisoning them. And um, whether that's to send a message to the rest of us, whether they need to vilify the saints among us so that we get the message. Yeah, that's what I think. Do you think that's being effective? Do you think that the treatment, say, of Tamara being in prison for a month or so, Pastor Art talked about being placed in solitary confinement in cages like dogs being offered cocaine on a daily basis, you know, things like that. Do you think that that is having an effect in the freedom communities? Do you think it's intimidating people? Um, well, what I'm seeing is that it's uh, definitely woken more people up hmm. because these aren't criminals, you know, they're just, I mean, Tamara was just part of the, the convoy and the organization of that. Now, if you're hardcore there, if you believe that, they're that, we, that those people were terrorists, then of course you're gonna continue to believe what they're telling you. Right. But people are starting to see that these were just really good, great, loving people that were trying to um, keep things going and create awareness. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, they were coming from love. I, I've seen more and more people wake up, but I think it's been horrible how they've been treated, obviously. And I think they've got an incredible lawsuit in their hands. <laughs> like, I mean, I would, but, um, you know, you said one thing actually about being, um, you didn't use the word, did you use the word liberated? Yeah. Well, feeling freer. You know, when you, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happened for me in January of this year was I was sitting, I do meditation, part of my healing. And, and I was just getting this like strong, strong voice saying it's go time. It's go time. Cause I hadn't spoken out until January when I saw the convoy. And all I did was it was perfect timing because I just wanted, I just started posting or I started liking actually things on Twitter and that even liking things got me in trouble <laughs> coming at me going, Oh, look what she's following and look what she's supporting. And, blah, 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 blah. and it was just, that's when it started. And I thought, okay, here we go. But then I just started posting things from the convoy. And then I went to the local one here and I was sobbing of like, because I was so happy and I felt so patriotic to see so many Edmontonians or even Albertans come together. Uh, because I, I, you don't know that there's this many people. You think that you're just sort of, you know, you're not alone, but you feel alone. So when I saw thousands and thousands and thousands here in Edmonton, we drove around the whole, our whole, um, it's called the Anthony Hende, and we literally closed the loop, which is an hour drive. We closed it. Like that's how many people we, we were in our convoy. And there was probably even more that just had to drop off because not everybody can stay, but it was just so empowering. So in January, when I started doing all this and speaking out, um, something happened to, to me. I used to be on Synthroid for my thyroid. And I also felt like, you know what, I'm going to heal my thyroid because I'd done so much work with, uh, with healers throughout the year. Now speaking truth, my trainer actually said, Jamie, you're going to heal your thyroid, just speaking truth. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's crazy, you know, at first, <laughs> but I trusted him because he's very enlightened. And, uh, 
so at the end of January, I went off my medication. I'm, it's what, August 22nd today. I'm, I've been off my medication. I am supplementing with copper and iodine and selenium and things that our bodies need. But the point is here that anything is possible. They've, they told me when I first went on this, I will never get off of this. It's for life. Hmm. Right? It's very interesting because you speak, you know, I think people speaking your truth in throat. Speaking your, well, the physical effects of the decisions we make as moral beings, you know, and I think a lot of people will say things like, well, just wear a mask. What harm does it do? I have to get the jab for my job, even though I don't agree with it. But all of these things, right, create a kind of dissonance and, and, and break down your integrity. And, and it's not without cost. It's not without consequences. And so it's not surprising to me, that, right, that we have such low levels of happiness and high levels of alcoholism yeah. and obesity and, and stress and, and other mental <coughs> health issues, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you, how, how are you feeling as a parent these days? How worried are you on a scale of one to 10 as a parent with your children? I think you're, you're, I have a very young daughter, but I think your kids are older than mine. So more, and you already mentioned the situation with your son, which has to be terribly worrisome. I mean, I mean how worried are you about protecting your kids from government, from other people um, who will abuse and, and manipulate them how, how worried are you about their mental health how worried well, are you about all the transgenderism and racial ideology well, in schools and well that's like a loaded question because it started years ago for my son he would come home and say mom there's a girl in my class that doesn't know what she is or, and I'm like what and he thought it was ridiculous he's like this is just crazy mom and so then as the years went on he's in grade 10 this year <clears throat> he's 15 in September and he's just sharing all this to me, all these kids that are coming out now saying, well, they're going to be transitioning and they're going to, they don't, they think they identify as this, they identify as that. And I just went like, what is going on? I had no idea about all this either, mm. but I am. Um, so my conditioning coach that we had, David and I had for the Olympics leading up to the Olympics was Linda Blade. And she is the, I think the, uh, her title is president of Athletics Canada. And she's fighting for women's rights in sport. So she asked me like four years ago before any of this really happened, if I would, you know, support her and uh, be, she asked me to be a part of something that she was in with this whole gender identity stuff. And I was like, yeah, Lynn, I don't want to get involved in politics. It's not my thing. <laughs> well, here I am now. So I'm retweeting her stuff and I'm, you know, whatever you need me to do, Linda, this is crazy. I mean, I truly feel that I've always been one to go, you do you, but we don't need to see what you're doing publicly you know what I mean like I this has been um and this racial stuff too like I just feel like this is part of their agenda was to infiltrate everything you know creating all these um again it's all about dividing us right so as long as we're all divided then we're not as strong so you've got black lives matter you've got the lgb blah 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 blah, blah whatever that is you know that group and and don't get me wrong I have lots of gay friends lots like growing up and skating. <laughs> um, now, some of them aren't very proud of me right now because they think I'm a uh, uh, transphobic or whatever. And I said, I'm not transphobic. I just don't agree with how this is being played out. Like, don't talk to my kids in school about whether they, they think they're a boy or a girl. You know, that is my job as a parent. If my son decides one day that, you know, he, he's gay or he's whatever, that's his business. And that's a family thing. But don't be teaching my children this. 
Like, I don't agree with this at all. And I also, Linda and I've talked about this too. And there needs to be an age where if you are really wanting that, you don't start when they're four, you know, because they don't know. Like this girl wrote the other day on Twitter. She goes, my son I used to identify as a car. Like, can you imagine if I transitioned him and left him in the, in the garage? Like, it's a joke. But the point here is like the mm. kids there. I had a cousin that played with Barbies. And everyone was like, oh, oh, they were so worried when he was a kid, like a little kid. And he's heterosexual today, but regardless, doesn't matter if he's gay or not. It's just the point is, let the children be who they are. And when they're 18 or whatever age Linda was thinking that was appropriate, then you can start that transition. But I think it's incredibly unfair. And I think there's a mental health issue there around all this. One of the things that seems so worrisome <laughs> to me is that when very young children now, low elementary school are starting to have these discussions and the seed of uncertainty being planted in their mind about gender and race. And, yeah. and one of the things I worry about is that when you start entertaining those questions so young, when you're being told that um, this is a choice and not, or, or it isn't, you know, that, that things are fluid, whatever it is, that there's a kind of instability to something very basic about you. I worry about the levels of confidence they can have in other core things in their lives. Mm -hmm. Can I really trust the love of my parents? Can I really trust that the future will resemble the present? Can I really trust government? Can I, I mean, no, they shouldn't, but anyway, can I, you know, any of the basic yeah. core things, you know, can I trust myself? Can I trust, the scientific process can i trust faith can I, whatever it is that's core to you if we start messing with one of those foundations i, I worry about during the formative years what long-term effects that's going to have and um goodness i was involved with a teen group uh a few months ago and you know they were feeling a lot of pressure uh, from friends who were very pro-narrative and of course being bullied and told that well you don't care about people you're just being selfish and um, I think it's one you know people like you and I being the age we are we're, we're kind of formed to the degree that people are ever formed but when you have to go through the last two years as a 14 year old or you know university student a 19 year old or a six year old <clears throat> I just can't um I think we're not going to know the long-term effects oh. of that for a very long time. Well, we're going to be dealing with so many things because the awakening is going to be incredibly painful for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And my son included, like he's going to see that mom was trying to help him. Mom was telling truth and he chose to, out of fear and coercion, right? He chose to go with everybody else. And I trusted that, you know, I, as sick as I was and hurt as I was, I eventually had to just trust the fact that his soul is on his, on its own journey. His soul's on a journey right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's young, but he still has, he has to go through something to really waken up. Like everybody does, you know, we all woke up, everyone's waking up at different times, but this is going to be really painful. And I think the awakening to, uh, that this, transgender thing this uh racial stuff covid the all of it is part of their agenda mm -hmm. and even black lives matter and uh what else has there been there's been so many different like movements that they've created to divide us 
and I, it's going to end. It's going to end. It you think that's inevitable? Is it an awakening? Yes. Is inevitable? There's a worry, right? That we will just, there will be so much backpedaling, so much gaslighting, so much shifting in the narrative that, that it won't come out, that people will die and get very sick, that it will all be blamed on some mutation of COVID or some other virus, right? You know, one thing I noticed, Julie, at the beginning of all this was how they never once talked about your health. They never talked about vitamin D, how, how to we, support it, how to build it up yourself, how to become healthy. Yeah. No, nope. yeah. they Makes just self-reliant. Yeah. And so, you know, now's a good time to start thinking about what you're putting in your mouth or, you know, how, if you're exercising, uh, if you're drinking too much, you're smoke, like whatever, there was never any discussion. If anything, all those places, uh, fast food, alcohol, uh, liquor stores and all whatever else, um, cannabis stores were left open and all the gyms got shut down like I mean if you look at this it's like so obvious to me this wasn't about our health right mm -hmm. so this is what we're also going to see I think down the road yes it's going to be an awakening but there's also going to be beautiful things to come but it's gonna we're going to go through some really difficult times I believe and not to be Debbie Downer or a negative person I just think that's inevitable with everybody's immune systems now being incredibly compromised. Autoimmune diseases are way up. I mean, cancer has skyrocketed everything. So we're going to have to go through that until people can get into med beds or get cures. There has to be an antidote to this. Don't you think? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I think that. Um, I want to believe that anyway. Mm -hmm. we um, don't, but. One thing one of the most beautiful things I'm seeing now, I don't know if you've seen them, are the letters to the unvaccinated. Yeah. It seems like there are a number of them. They're anonymous usually. I, I'm not sure who's writing them, but the spirit of them is very beautiful. And it yeah. isn't just to unvaccinated people, but I think it's to, it speaks to the strength that has been able to survive in various ways and various people through a bombardment that should have killed it all. But despite all of that, there are people who um, have integrity and stick by their beliefs, whatever their beliefs are, but are sticking by them, regardless of the pressures against them, that remain willing to talk to people who hate them, that are willing to be open still to, um, positions that are, are are increasingly becoming sort of crazy to believe and and just being willing to stay united within a country that's yeah. divided um there's some incredible uh character traits i think that are showing themselves to be powerful enough to keep the rest of us going the rest yeah. of us buoyant and if we can just build on those and nurture those, we would be so much better off. I just wish, you know, regardless of what people want to do for their own physical states of health, regardless of what they feel about the evidence with respect to COVID, I wish they would look at someone like our prime minister and say, that's not okay. It's not okay to be led by someone who either walks out of the house when someone criticizes him, when he calls people names, when they don't say what he, he wants to hear, um, when he every day he's been in office has gaslit the majority of the population. Um, it's not okay to endorse and hope for that kind of political representation. 
And, and so part of what's going on, sure, there are these issues of, of truth and science and COVID and what to believe and informational questions and all of that. But, you know, questions about who do we want to be as a nation? What, what values do we have? What values do we want to uphold? What does it mean to have character and build that character? What does it mean to raise our children? Who are we going to let raise our children? Are we just going to turn that over to the highest bidder, which no. there are many of these days, you know? No. Um, no, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. I mean, even with the convoy, he completely avoided this. It's like he, he, he ran away. He can't seem to come and like everyone's called him out on that kind of stuff. Like every time there's, there's something, he just runs. Well, he, one of the times he had COVID, I guess. So he couldn't, oh, he couldn't okay. you know, right. couldn't yeah. stay in his home. That was convenient. Yeah. You could have done a Zoom call with some of them. I mean, the he's the worst possible advertising for vaccination. Oh. And yet he continues to use it as a reason to get vaccinated. I mean, the fact that people don't see this blows my mind. But anyway, we're still in the process of awakening, as you say. But Jamie, I just, um, I know we're near the end of our time. And I'm so grateful that you're chatting today. And I always say to people, you know, we have a really good conversation. It's not like this is the end, you know, maybe we'll have another conversation again, no. because surely there will be more to work through the coming month. 